Changing your mind. Romans chapter 12, dealing with having faith that's full. And that's what Romans is about. So this man went into a surgeon to get a brain transplant last week. And so how did it go? He said, well, thankfully the surgeon changed my mind. Well, (laughs) these kids were playing around. You know how when it starts to rain, mom goes around and, and calls for everyone to come in the house. And so there's two little brothers and they're playing and one of them, you know, he's in the house and he's looking out and it's raining really hard. And the mother said, where's your brother? He said, he's outside. He said, she said, get him to come in. It's raining. And he said, no, we're playing a game. He won't come in. I've tried. So what are you playing? Playing Noah's Ark. So where's the Ark? It's the house. Said, well, what's your brother? He's one of the sinners. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard to get people to change your mind. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus was born, the Bible said that Mary was espoused to Joseph. What's espousal anyway? Now, they don't roll the way we roll, roll in uh, 2021 in the United States of America. But back in those days, when you were espoused, it was basically the legal side of the marriage contract. So there were no more legal things done. But basically, it was more serious than an engagement, but it wasn't actual marriage. So they didn't actually consummate the marriage yet. That was at a different time. So you could be espoused for a period of months, or maybe even a year before you came together, you'd still live in your father's house and they would still live wherever they lived. So she was espoused to Joseph. But before they came together, before they actually had that time of their marriage relationship, the honeymoon, wherever you want to call it, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So over this period of time, he's like, hey, um, you're not going to fit in your wedding dress if you keep eating those burritos, right? Those lamb burritos, right? And she started growing and began to realize, wait a second, it's not burritos. It's not, she's not gaining that, you know, the COVID-15 or whatever, the COVID-20. She's pregnant. That's what he found out. So he was a just man. He didn't want to make her a public example. So he was going to put her away and the way you would break off this engagement is it was called a divorce back then so that he was going to put her away privately and not let every anybody know and it's interesting he thought about these things and you know he was a real he was a thinker joseph was a it was a godly man but he wasn't a rash man wasn't he He was thinking he's like well this is what i gotta do i don't have a whole lot of options and maybe he's like man this is not the way i wanted things to work out you know And it said, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, and told him, hey, you can take her to your wife. And then he explained, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Yes, she's pregnant, but it's not by a man. She's still a virgin. Some people think, well, did God have sex with Mary? Then she wouldn't have been a virgin but she was still a virgin so somehow there was a conception that took place by the holy ghost and then he said to joseph you're going to name him the son jesus and that jesus is going to do something jesus will save his people 
If you heard it in 2021, here's how people say it. Jesus will save his people in their sins. I mean, that's how people live, right? But that's not what the Bible says. He'll save his people from their sins. And the, all this was done, and it said, you know, that it would fulfill uh, the Old Testament prophets. And then he was raised from his sleep. Notice. And he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not, or that this, he didn't have marital relations with her until she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So what happened to Joseph? His mind was changed. Now, when we have children, we, we get them to change their mind like this. You better change your attitude, you know? And when we're all sophisticated and read these books, we talk about changing our mindset. But it's the same thing. And uh, mindset, attitude, we need to change our mind. So this is what the whole chapter is about. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul's writing to the church, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, not whole, but H-O-L-Y, set apart like a saint. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, I talked to a guy years ago and he said, you know, the problem with living sacrifices is they can crawl off the altar. And I thought, never thought about that before. You know, and that people, they justify living a life that's not Christian because they're a quote-unquote living sacrifice. But, you know, I thought about what he said, and I didn't say anything at the time, but can't the living sacrifice also choose to stay on the altar? Why? Because we have a choice as a living sacrifice. We are alive, but our duty is to serve God because we have a changed mind. The Bible says... In verse 2, verse 1 and 2 is our mind. And verse 2 deals with the renewing of our mind. And be not conformed to this world. Have you ever had peer pressure? Everyone's doing something. Everyone's wearing a certain type of shoe. Everyone's wearing, when you know when you're kids, a certain type of blue jeans, maybe in high school. If you don't have the blue jeans, then you're not cool. Well, then you get older. If you don't have a certain type of car, you're not cool. You don't have a certain type of phone. You're not cool, I guess. I don't know. My phone is many, many models old, but it still works. But the Bible says that we're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to fit into the world's image. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God said the only way to change is to change what's between our ears. That ye may prove the result of changing our mind. We're going to prove God's will. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It didn't say God had three wills. It said God has one will. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect or complete. So let's look at what God said first. God said, don't be conformed into this world. All the peer pressure, it doesn't end when you're in school, right? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When John the Baptist was preaching, he said, repent ye. That word repent, you know what it means? If you heard it from the Greek, it's metanoia. Change your mind. Change your mind. Change your attitude towards God. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some people think repentance is just falling down and maybe like crying or something like that. You know, people do that when they get caught. 
That's not, you know, they call it crocodile tears. People are kind of busted. They busted. You know, like, ah, oh, you got me. Well, that's not repentance. Repentance is saying, wait a second. I was going this way. I'm going to start to go this way. Why? Because I've changed my mind. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16 that says that we have the mind of Christ. I never understood that, but when I got saved, it was because when you make a confession, it means to say the same thing. It means to say the same thing as God would say because you're thinking of things the way God would think of them. That's what a confession is. A confession is to say uh, in line with what the truth is. You know, when someone's trying to get you to confess, they're trying to get you to say the truth. What's the truth? The Bible said thy word is truth. The Bible says in the next chapter, it says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to beat sin, the only way to really change our uh, life for God is to change our attitude. And I like what one person said. If you're not willing to change your attitude, are you at least willing to be made willing? You know, God, I'm not really willing. I want to do it this way. But God, I'm willing to be made willing. God, if you can just change my attitude. And that's really a lot what God, what God does in a, in a church service, right? God will change our attitude. Go to a church conference. God will change your attitude. How? Repentance. That's what it means. God, I changed the way. It's not my way. <laughs> Have you ever heard it said, not my will? That's what Jesus said, right? But thine be done. God, Father, your way, not my way. You know, like Jeff Foxworthy said, you know, when they're having that funeral and they're dividing up all the goods and all the possessions of, of the Father, and they say what Daddy would have wanted. Yeah, Daddy... Daddy would have wanted me to take that big grandfather clock. That's what daddy would have wanted. And then mom speaks up, said no. Uh, or another brother speaks up and said, no, daddy would have wanted you to get a job and pay back mama the money you owe her. That's what daddy would have wanted. You know, a lot of times we say, well, this is what God wants. Well, we have to see what God wants. Well, God's word shows us what God wants. And then it says his, his will is good. It's a good will. Man, when you, when you serve God, you feel good because you're doing God's will. He's a good God and he has a good will. And then it's an acceptable will. You know, it's not until you do the thing that God wants you to do that you feel right. <clears throat> I told my daughter when she's doing something wrong, I said, that's not acceptable. It's just like pass fail, right? It's like, no, that's not acceptable. Can I wear boots to church? No, that's not acceptable. And, you know, she run through a list of different shoes and finally we found some shoes that were acceptable. Well, God has an acceptable will. And then the Bible says it's a perfect will. God has a will that will make us complete. I believe that all of us are looking for that purpose in life. You know what God's will? It will lead you to that purpose in life. And I recommend, I don't know when the next conference is going to be, but man... It's awesome. And, and to go at the front of the conference, there's like a pile of people. There was a brother that came, and I, a good, good, good brother. And I was sitting near the back, right? And he comes on like one of the last rows talking to Reverend Brooks. He's a good, good friend. And uh, the brother goes, are you alone? And I'm like, uh, my wife's here? You know, I don't know. I'm alone. You know? But he meant was I sitting alone. He's like, I got a seat at the front. 
for you. And I'm like, wow, like, that's neat. Like, you know, so, and I said, bro, that's good. I, I'm talking to Brother Brooks. And I said, but when all the shouting and jumping starts, you know what I do? Get out of my seat and I go all the way up to the front. I fly standby at conference. You know what that means? I walk around and walk around and then when service starts, I look for a seat. Okay, that's like flying standby. That's what I do at conference. I just like to walk around and talk to everybody. But when people get going and people get excited, just get out of my seat and I go all the way to the front. And a lot of times I end up at the front anyway. And you know what's happening up at the front? People are getting filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see young men, I mean, you know, maybe 15, 16, and they're crying and they just have this emotion. You know what God's doing? God's dealing with lives and, and young men, grown men, preachers, they're on their face. And what's happening? Their minds are being changed. God is dealing with their mind about God's will. And it's awesome. And I haven't seen it to the degree that I've ever seen it. Conference is kind of like a revival for the church, not for new people getting saved, but for the church catching on fire. So it's going to be sometime this fall. Man, come and just... See for yourself. And if you want to fly standby, I'll show you the way to get to the front of the plane when the shouting starts. It's awesome. You can get all the way up to the altar, maybe dance with the Reverend Keckle. He's up there. So, or grab another hand of another overseer. It's a real blessing. So changing your mind. Verses 3 to 8. Changing your mind toward ourselves. You know, when God changes our mind, we look at ourselves differently. You know, a lot of times people, they, they, they look down on themselves, but they don't even realize, oh, I'm no good, or I'm just... I, I'm just, uh, you know, this way, or I can't do this. I'm no good at math, or I'm not. And you know, when you say something, you're actually, words are powerful, right? You prophesy. You know, the first words of God, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Pow! If he said, let there be darkness, well, guess what? There already was, because he had judged the earth. That's, that's another, uh, that's another uh, uh, account right there. But God knows that when we say things, and you've got to be careful not to say a bunch of negative things because it goes out there. <laughs> there is a, a quote, and I, I believe it's Ane Nin. I might have said the name wrong, but we don't see things as we are. We see things as we are. You know that everything out there, we see it from our own perspective. We need to change the way we see ourselves. Verses 3 to 8. For I say, verse 3, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, some people, they don't have a problem thinking highly of themselves. If you talk to someone in the military, they call them war stories, and they'll tell you all kinds of stuff that they haven't done. And you meet people, and a lot of times... When people are insecure, have you ever talked to an insecure person? They will tell you all kinds of stuff that they haven't done because they're really insecure about who they really are. It's true. And so they'll, they'll blast all this stuff and yeah, I know these people and I have this kind of car and they don't have any of it. But they just think that if, man, if I tell these people who I really am, they're not going to like me. Well, guess what? God loves you just like you are. And you shouldn't have to sell yourself falsely to a real Friend, amen. My, I was getting my uh, car, you know, looked at or as at a place, and she goes, "Does your car have more than a hundred thousand miles?" And I'm, hundred thousand? I'm way past that, lady. We're at we're two fifty. I should get a sticker right there. Still going like Energizer Bunny batteries, right? So you say, well, 
Preacher, what are you saying? I was like, I'm not ashamed. If you have a new car, praise God. If you have a used car, praise God. But don't be insecure. You are not your car. Amen? You are, you're, a, you're a living soul that God made. So anyways, I have fun with it. And, uh, but it's a paid off 250,000 mile car. Amen. So, and the battery is under warranty. In case everything else falls apart and the tires. Okay, junk the rest. Give me the tires and the battery. They're under warranty, right? So, for as we have many members in one body. Members means limbs. And all members have not the same office. You know, your arm is not your leg. Your leg is not your pituitary gland. Your liver is not your spleen. Your gallbladder is nothing. No. And uh, what is the thing that people have removed? <sighs> Appendix. You know that uh, there's people who are evolutionary believers. They're like, well, the appendix, it's, it's leftover from our evolutionary creation. It's useless. Mm-hmm. You know what the appendix does? You know why they have to take it out? If it ruptures, it's got all this like bacteria and stuff in it. It leaks in your body. Well, they found out not too long ago that your appendix does have a purpose. Huh. I used to work with a guy when he made a point, he'd go, huh. You know, but the appendix, if you have a bad case of Montezuma's revenge, what does that mean? You eat too much Taco Bell and you get some revenge and you have to make a run for the border. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is online, so I have to make sure it's okay for kids, right? So when you do that, you lose all of, you lose a lot of liquid, but you also lose a lot of healthy bacteria that are in your body. Your body actually uses bacteria. And that appendix has a storage of all of this stuff that it can put back into your system. Everything God made in the body has a purpose. And it's the same thing. And when we were at a conference, it was awesome to see all these different brothers. And, you know, they were doing different things. And, you know, someone had a medical emergency. It was an older person. Well, they had the med kit. And then there was a sister that she came out of nowhere. And she was probably a nurse or a doctor. And then there was other brothers. And it's like there's, there's people cooking. There's way more going on than preaching. Okay. There's some awesome preaching. But, brethren, there's so many members of the body. There's people that clean. I was talking to Reverend King. And he was cleaning the bathroom. There's a bathroom. And so he was out there cleaning. And I had just used the restroom. And so we were in the bathroom talking about chicken. Fried chicken. And, and you know what? Well, he was working. And I was probably slowing him down a little bit. But you know that God has so many members in the body. God has a job for you and me too. The Bible says, for in verse 4, for as... We have many members in one body, and, as, and all members have not the same office, right? So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. It's interesting that we're different. An arm is not a leg. You know, Reverend Patterson and I don't look alike, but uh, we're all important. We're all connected. We're one body. You know, if I hurt my toe, the rest of my body is focused on my toe. You ever stubbed your toe and that's all you can think about? Or you have like an ingrown toenail or something? Your whole body suffers because of one person suffering. We're connected, but yet we're different, right? My toe doesn't look like my, uh, my uh, well actually it probably does look kind of like my appendix if it's a little sack, right? But my arm does not look like my 
knows. Members are different. And you know that we don't all have to look the same. We're unified, but we're not uniform. This isn't the military. People are all kinds of different, but we're all one in Christ. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So here it's within our own life. What do we do with the gifts that God gives us? Man, if God gives you something to do, do it with all your heart. So if you're going to preach, preach. And this is what it's dealing with. If God gives you the prophecy, use that faith that God gives you to do what God wants you to do. And really, God will give, you know that? I believe that God will lay on all of our hearts. God's got something for you to do. Otherwise, you would get saved, and what would Scotty say? You know, beam me up, Scotty, or that's what Star Trek. I'm saved. Beam me up, God. I've got nothing to do. I'm saved. I'm ready to go to heaven. But that's not the way that it works, is it? You get saved, and God's like, now I've got something for you to do. What do you tell the disciples? He said, follow me. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. I've got something for you to do. So, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. You know, and then I believe ministry, the, min, the, the ministry is the preaching of God's word. And everything around the preaching of God's word. It's like if you go to a, a I've never been to one. What do they call them? A churresco? What is the Brazilian steakhouse called? Something like that. Churrascaria. Yum. And it's just slabs and piles of meat, right? And they bring them around to your table and you have a green or a red, right? Some kind of green for yes and red for no on your table. And uh, they bring you more and they bring you more and they bring you more. Look, if there was no meat in the Brazilian steakhouse, something be missing right it's all around the meat i don't care about the tofu after advert uh, the little appetizers from made out of tofu it's centered around meat well the ministry is centered around preaching say well preacher i have a music ministry that's not the ministry the ministry is the preaching of god's word because god chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe now part of the service we have Song service, why? Because it prepares our hearts. When we lift up our hearts, doesn't that open up our hearts? We forget about our craziness that we had all day long. We come in and we begin to sing about God. And then you begin to speak about God. And then you begin to shout about God. And then you're reminded about God. Wait a second. All that stuff I went through, I had my mind in the wrong place. So we get like this attitude change when we come to church. And then we hear the word of the Lord. You're like, wow, praise God. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still a healer. Jesus has not run out of money like the U.S. government. They haven't run out of money. They're like trillions of dollars. I mean, the number is so big. It's like they owe the money that God has. I mean, God, though, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's able to supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's not handing out, you know, I remember, and I love my grandpa, okay? He's no longer down here. Uh, my, my father's father and uh, <laughs> I remember I did a chore now this is probably back in the 80s and I think he gave me a dime now 
Back when I was a kid, a dime didn't buy you much. And I remember he like put that dime in there and he looked at me and I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for more. Like, you know, is there a dollar with the dime? I, mean, I didn't say anything because I was a little kid. But, you know, God's not up there handing out. And he grew up in a different era. Dime, you don't just give money away like people do today. Kids want all this money. But, you know, God's not just going to hand you a little dime and say, here, here you go. Here's a dime. No, God can take care of our needs. But the ministry is what we wait on because, you know, it's not just the ministering of the word, but people minister to the children back there, the word and people who are ministering in the house of God, you know, in the churrasqueria. They have waiters, they have dishwashers. It all, though, is centered around that meat. But every, the greeter is important. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they're rude to you? You walk in and the food smells so good and they're like, what do you want? You're like, uh, another place to eat. You know? <laughs> because you're going to turn around and go around. I don't care if it's packed. I don't want to be treated that way. Everyone is important in the house of God. And the Bible says, let us wait on our ministering. You know, the Bible says... That they that wait on the Lord, what happens? You'll renew your strength. To, to wait means to be, in the Old Testament, to be woven to or be, uh, you know, connected with. You know, like in the phone, you've got your connection. Just wait on God. And then it breaks down some different parts of the ministry, okay? Uh, he that teacheth on teaching. You ever thought about what you did for God? If you're a teacher... And you know what? If you're a parent, you're a teacher. Did you know that? I don't know, sister members, when Lewis used to ask questions, but what? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And you're like, I'm trying to make dinner. What about this? And you don't even know. You have to like stop and think about it. I never thought of that. My daughter will ask me questions like, I have no idea. Go away. You know, that's what you want to say, but you try, try to help them out. Why? Because you're teaching. You're a teacher. It's like, I never knew I was a teacher. Well, in Sunday school, you're teaching kids some of the most amazing things in the world. There was a sister. Sister used to be here. Sister went up to another church, and the children's church teacher had just left. And the sister just kind of filled right in. And the pastor was sharing at conference like, the pastor's wife was like, praise God. She just jumped right in. Why? Someone to teach the next generation about God. So they're not following a multitude to do evil. What? Riding all over the place. You have to teach kids that, but they learn that in children's church. It's awesome. So wait on your teaching. It's important. Let God deal with your heart. And then it said, on he that, or he that exhorteth, on exhortation. You know, we've got different brothers that lead service, Reverend Patterson, uh, Brother Junor, Brother Melion, and they're really different, but they exhort the people. And they're enthusiastic in different ways. The word entheos means in God. And that's where we get the word enthusiasm. It means in God. When someone's in God, they're excited. Remember that man that got uh, the, the crippled man or the lame man by the, by the uh, gate, beautiful, and Peter and John went up to the temple to pray? And he lifted the man up and the Bible showed where his ailment was. It was feet and his ankle bones because it said they gained strength. And it said he leaping up stood. And then he walked into the temple walking, leaping. He was enthusiastic, right? And praising God. 
And it said, everybody saw him walking and leaping and praising God. You know what? If somebody does, if someone gets something from God, the world's going to know. And that's what the Bible, on he that exhorteth on exhortation, focus on that and exhort people. Know what you're doing is part of the ministry. Not everything is the state. Not everything is the preaching, but everything's important. And he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. You know what? Giving is a blessing. And you know, you don't have to hold up your, your money and wave it for everybody to see. But it's a blessing to give. Let me tell you, there's only three things you can do with money. You can invest it. My daughter knows this already at seven. You can spend it. And that's fun too, right? None of these things are wrong. Right? But then you can give it. And let me tell you, of all the things I've done with money, I've invested money. I've spent money, and that's fun. On some Vito's pizza today, I spent some money. And it was awesome. And there's remnants of the love in our fridge, right? But the most rewarding thing I've ever done with money is giving it. I mean, I'm just being honest. It is the most fun you'll ever have with money. Once you're out of debt, once you're not worried about making your bills, that you can see someone's life just kind of light up. I, I don't know how many times, and I'm just using this as an example. This isn't to, to vaunt myself, but you know, we were, uh, like to give people their, their tip before the end of the meal, like at the beginning of the meal, and they look at you like, uh, uh, some one waiter or waitress is like, I, I can't take this. I haven't done anything. I mean, it's neat just to give them a tip and just watch them just light up. There was another waiter or waitress, I think it was a waitress, said, no one has ever done this to me before. And they've been a waitress for years. So say a preacher, but it's just little, but it can change someone's day. Then it can just change their mind. You know what? That's what we're talking about. And just do it with simplicity. That's a blessing. And uh, he that ruleth with diligence, if you're over something, be diligent in that. And he that showeth mercy. Uh, if you visit a shut-in, if you visit, that's what it's called someone who can't come to church. If you visit someone in the hospital, don't go in there like the undertaker. You're not part of the worldwide wrestling federation right you're not there to kill them go in there with some cheerfulness hey brother god bless you hey sister god bless you if someone's down cheer them up and we will change our mind about yourself you are important to the work of god i want to leave you with that so let's change our mind let's be renewed by god and then let's start to change our mind and how we look at ourselves then next tuesday we're going to deal with changing our mind about God's people <laughs> and changing our mind about the people who are not God's people and how we deal with them. Amen. We need to change our mind. Let us pray. God bless you.